So I have this thing about uh, censorship. Growing up, censorship was exciting to me. A? No, not the actual censorship itself, but the, the label that said, this is not suitable for you. Oh, the forbidden fruit. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, just, I just used to get very excited when, uh, you know, you used to see the BBC One globe spinning around and the announcer would say, now on BBC One, sex, violence, and bad language. And, you know, and then you'd be like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> you know, and, I'm listening. You have my attention. Yes, <laughs> used to, and also in the Radio Times, they used to they used to write like this film contains mm-hmm. sex scenes, nudity, uh, bad language, and and strong violence or whatever. And then I used to sit. Where there do and I watch sign it. up? No, I used to sit there and watch it and go, "Well, well that's not right. Where's the where's the sex? Where's, where's the, the sex? Like, like where's this, the boobs? Th- that's what you're calling nudity? That's a dude's bum, you know." <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, there was a lot of that. And I remember what, it was part of the things of, of like, collecting VHSs. Mm-hmm. So you'd have the, the big, you know, 15 or the 18. For those of you who, who uh, do not um, come from the UK, uh, the BBFC was the British Border Film Classification, and they slap ratings on the front of movies. They still do it. Um, and, uh, you know, we got you, PG... It, what is it in the States? Is the FFC? Uh, the MPAA. MPAA. Well, it was the MPAA, and now it's just the MPA. It was the Motion Picture Association of America, FCC. and now it's just the Motion Picture Association. So they, they don't slap ratings on uh, on movie boxes in, uh, in the States. They have, like, an R, like, on the bottom, on the back. Like, it's mm-hmm. really sort of uh, unobtrusive. And in England, it, like, screams it. Yeah. So if I, if I was a kid and I got a movie that was rated... Well, 12, 15, or 18. Uh, you've got a big red circle on it with the with the number in there, and you'd be like, I'm a grown-up because I'm watching this. This is... Doesn't it ramp up? Isn't, like... Isn't 12 sort of, like, a sort of off-red, and then 15 is... It's, like, a round circle. It's, it's like, the 12 and the 15 both have, like, a, a white background with a the red 12 circle. And the, yeah, the 12 and the 15 are, red are very similar. Nowadays, then, it's changed. And then the, the 18 was what? It was an 18... It was a, a white, white 18, 18 with a red with a, background. With a red background, right? yeah. And, Did um, I say background? Background. <laughs> background, yeah. And um, <laughs> nowadays, they've changed it to make it easier to tell the difference between them on, stre- on streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the, I think that the 15 is pink and the 18 is red and the okay. 12, I'm not sure what color it is. I can't, the 12, I think, is, uh, is orange. I'm not sure, but they, they've they've changed it. It's it's not the same thing that I remember back in from back in the day from well, my childhood. Is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, I I just remember that that feeling of the of the forbidden fruit, as you say. And I I remember our sister once, for example, saying, um, you know, that there was a that there was a, a Bond movie on TV, and she'd be like, oh no no, you can't watch that. That's bad. Mm. And I'd be like, well, I've probably seen it. And she said, no no no, you don't understand. There's a Bond movie where at the end the bad guy's really scary and he's on the back of a train and he laughs and i said what you mean baron samadhi from live and let die (laughs) (laughs) i just remember that so vividly there are so many conversations like that that i remember vividly um and i remember like indiana jones and the temple of doom and things like that the things that were like what's scary in temple of doom i don't know nothing at all it's all teddy bears and bunnies um so yeah i I just uh, i i remember like all of that stuff that got censored on tv and you know you go looking for on vhs and Mm. you know in order to see the the forbidden bits and then you find out that the bbfc had censored that as well so then you have to hunt down the american version (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why i'm bringing this up is because there was a lot of discussion about um about Doctor Strange yeah. and how Doctor Strange was the most horrific MCU entry 
that sort of pushed the boundaries of the 12 rating or the PG-13 rating in the in the US, um, which I find really hilarious because the movie that we're talking about today, Drag Me to Hell, mm. was rated PG-13. The funny thing is that Drag Me to Hell came out 13 years ago. Yeah, well, still. <laughs> um, and Doctor Strange, like, is... is really tame in comparison yeah i mean obviously they're talking about it within the confines of the of the mcu but i mean drag me to drag me to hell is like i mean i watched it yesterday i watched the unrated version yesterday yeah um and the unrated version has a certain amount of uh it has 11 seconds of extra bits mm-hmm. um and it's a little bit more horrific whereas the theatrical version some of those moments are played a little bit more for laughs but even when we saw it in the cinema, we saw it in its PG-13 original form. Mm. It's pretty fucking horrific. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and so I just, I just find that interesting. It's it's, like, it's very interesting how how the standards have changed, and obviously standards for everything have changed, and in yeah. in what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to show and what you're allowed to see and all that stuff. Right. But what's really what's really funny for me is the different um, the the difference in in experience. Right, so for you, it's like hunting those thing things down, right? Yeah. And then for me, I was a very sort of good boy. I would like wait until you told me that I was old enough to watch a movie because so you were doing different. a lot of like you were doing a lot of censoring, just like because I think you knew because we talk a lot about we give you a lot of flack for how much shit you used to give me, right? Um, yeah. Like making making me jump and and whatever. But there are things that you would do specifically around movies that were that were really uh, commendable, Mr. Bond, um, you know. Because I wanted as... you to experience things um, that I was experiencing, but there were certain things that I knew would disturb you. Right. So you do um, Johnny Cuts of movies. Like, it was Yeah, it was like targeted the... censoring. It wasn't, um, you know, sort of assuming that the entire population is going to be disturbed by How this. How did it you was, used to edit films for me? You'd have a blank VCR, uh, sorry, Wait, a blank yeah, VHS it was v- tape. Yeah, it was VCR uh, to VCR. Yeah, and yeah. You'd, you'd sort of like play, record, and then... When when it would get to a bit you'd pause it and then you yeah know, and then replay it when re- that fast yeah. forward and then record again and that's like that how 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 is that that's like crazy i'm wondering how as an editor today if if i actually got a hold of any of that i don't know whether where those are nowadays or how i would watch them but <laughs> i'm wondering like how that would um hold up for me as an do you editor. know they're probably in the parents um in in the wardrobe in my old bedroom like at the back like there are hmm. still some old VHSs in there so they might still be there hmm. okay um, go looking for it yeah. but anyway i digress the the point is that um that nowadays uh most things are rated 12 i mean that's just a fact i mean most things come out around the PG13 mark mm-hmm. you know a lot of a lot of MCU movies like a lot of a lot of action movies like in you know back when we were growing up action movies would be 15 or 18 they'd be really bloody and violent and have lots of swearing or whatever and nowadays it's like there may be a trickle of blood uh coming out of someone's nose and somebody might say shit right <laughs> you know beware what well, audiences uh, they're more sensitive now this week we're talking about Drag Me to Hell, Sam Raimi's squelchy horror comeback from way back in 2009, and the last film he made before returning to our screens last month with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Check out that episode. And yes, you heard that right, he made Drag Me to Hell and then there was nothing, nothing happening. Just stop making movies. We got news, games, trivia, and VFX talk, it's all coming right up here on What's Our Seat Number. Let's have Let's an episode. Have an episode. What's our seat number? 
Hello and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. That's right, the points are just like the lawsuit we're going to get from Whose Line Is It Anyway. Hey. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> we are your hosts, the dynamic duo. I'm Johnny Gross, a podcaster and a filmmaker of films at times. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host, connected to me only by the blood coursing through our veins. He's a paragon of calm, a picture of serenity, the proverbial water off the duck's back. If he were any more laid back, he'd be upside down. It's none other than 3D artist and lover of people everywhere, Simon Gross. Those people clapping right now, fuck them. <laughs> it's good to know that I'm in a good mood, isn't it? It always makes you want to do one of these. Yes, indeed. All right. Did you get enough good, sleep last good... night, Sai? No. Did you? <laughs> no, probably not. I tell you, I, at some point, he was the baby was pulling himself up in the cot and just like looking over at me, and and I like I heard him babbling at me, and I looked over and I went no. And he lay back down again. <laughs> he didn't go back to sleep, but he got the message. Oh, my goodness. Please continue. Well, it's time to go to the news desk for some... Movie News. Today on Movie News, Nev Campbell has released a statement saying that she will not be returning for Scream 6, a.k.a. The Scream. No one cares. They're due to start shooting... Today, I believe, but they have to put it off until Thursday, presumably to negotiate. I'm, I'm asking you, do you actually care about that? Do you care if she appears in the next one? Hasn't she been in six? Isn't it time for something new? Isn't it time to stop making Scream movies altogether? I'm not sure. I mean, I know that, that, that uh, we've talked about killing off legacy characters and whatever, but she should have a spectacular death if she's, uh, if she's not going to do anymore. Should she be the killer? No. No. She shouldn't be the killer. I think that, um, I think that the... The issue here is about the pay. That she wasn't going to be paid enough money for the uh, for the for the job that she was doing, mm. and I believe they've uh, they've they've written her in. So you know, well, they can just write her out. <laughs> Indeed. Um, There's a fancy button on a computer called the backspace button. Backspace or Dell. Yes, but you have to say it like you've got a mouth full of very large teeth. It's the backspace button. The backspace. Yeah. Okay. Have you been watching uh, Disney's Obi-Wan Kenobi? Um, no, but I'm acutely aware of what's going on in it. You're certainly cute. Not you. Come <coughs> on now. <laughs> this charmer. So the aforementioned, I, I say aforementioned because I mentioned it a minute ago, Obi-Wan Kenobi has been inexplicably greenlit for season two after only three episodes have aired. Oh, really? I've been watching it, and I can tell you that uh, in my humble but expert opinion, you're all wrong except for me, uh, it's not great. It's a bit... Mm. <sighs> you, know I mean? you and I have had this conversation before, and we were talking about how I'm dead inside on Friday, but... You were how dead inside on Friday. Well, not dead inside exclusively oh, on you, Fridays. You, we, we, we were on Friday. We were talking we were about it on Friday. Each other on Friday right, right. Okay, uh, okay. about how I'm dead inside, and you knew that, but you just saw an opportunity to be a twat. So there <laughs> no, we go. I genuinely <laughs> thought you were dead inside on Fridays. Why would you genuinely think that? You are a human of abs absolutely credible thought processes, <laughs> right? Like you, you, you are able to form thoughts that are not stupid. Like I don't understand how your brain thought I, that I that just... was. You need some sleep, is what yeah, you're saying. We, we all do. We all do. Parents and, 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 and parents alike. Anyway, gone off Star Wars a little bit. Yeah. Um, the movies. Um, I did enjoy uh, the most recent video game that came out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am excited that they're remaking Gordor, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and that they've announced a sequel to 
the, the Fallen Order video game. However, it's still not enough to excite me. And and I think that the excitement... What, what, what excite does you? excite yeah, me? Yeah, And so, keep it clean. So, no, it's, it's boring stuff, though, now. Um, well, I actually recently started playing something called Ratchet and Clank, and it's, like, very... It's like Star Wars, but if all Sounds... The, Dirty. It's not. It's like <laughs> if all the characters were like uh, animals and really. It sounds like a cockney rhyming slang, actually. What? Let's have a little ratchet bit of a ratchet clank. clank. <laughs> Shosh bought me this uh, um, illustrated edition of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, right? And right. I, I haven't read Harry Potter for a very long time. Um, and it was really fun for me to reread this book, which I already like, um, but with these really nice painted illustrations that they're, they're it's really cool so i've bought the next one um in the series and and that sort of excites me i also got some books on character design those excite me so i guess boring stuff i'm playing video games that i like i started a new one on ps5 it's lots of fun i'm enjoying it it's fun to look at it's fun to play i just don't i'm not i guess i'm not fanboying about stuff i think that's the i think that's right. the the point of because of you've my, been bitten too much Maybe, or maybe I've just grown out of that. I don't know. Like, I mean, I remember when the Revenge of the Sith excited. movie came out. No, yeah. I get excited, but when Revenge of the Sith... I don't get uh, obsessive. Like, right. when Revenge of the Sith came out, um, there was a video game adaptation that came out, and I had it on Xbox, and it, it was, like, announced al alongside the movie. So the entire time when they were, like, releasing videos and screenshots and whatever, every tiny little thing, I was like every little piece of information. I was like saving pictures to the desktop, like, you know, like all this weird stuff. And I was like super excited about it. And when we went to go and see the movie, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. Couldn't give a fuck, Jones, honestly. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that, um, I think that uh, No Time to Die kind of buggered me a little bit in the fanboy. didn't boy. you? You got rudgered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I'm, and, and this is something that is probably gonna shock somebody in the audience, Babs, but um, I I'm not sure how excited I am for the next Bond movie. And that's sad. Well, I mean, if they... And this is really sad. If they were to do a Bond movie where they've sort of gone back to roots and they haven't done all of the strange casting things that they're threatening to do, um, and they sort of go classic, right? If Martin and, Campbell comes back and, and they cast somebody who I think is... Um, let's say it were Henry Cavill, right? And he... Wait, wait. Yeah. And he really looked the part. Yep. He does look and, the part. Yeah, yeah, and he walks in, and you hear the... Mm, 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 oh, stop mm, it. You're making Right? See, you would watch that trailer over and over and over and over and over again. Yes. So, don't say that. Don't lie to the people. Don't lie to your no. listeners. <laughs> but when it comes to Star Wars, I feel like the story has been told. Yeah. And anything that comes after it, especially when it when it's sort of prequel style yeah is kind of superfluous listen it's cool that like you're getting an obi-wan and and vader sort of you know thing there but yeah, isn't it's just it needs isn't to be it done supposed well to be isn't it supposed to be that the first time that they meet in all this time is on the death star yeah Th because they're like retconning a lot of things it's like yeah they're gonna have to the, remake those movies lucas, now lucas himself retconned exactly it's it's a problem why yeah. didn't he start with number fucking one <laughs> i don't understand yes 
Um, you know the meme about uh, Yoda being in charge of numbering. Right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, on. it's not great. Um, and I'm, I'm going to watch one more episode and then... I, I think you'll give up. Yeah, I think so. Because, right. uh, you know, by that point, I'll probably say, well, you know what? There's only another couple of episodes left. I, I did feel like I was wasting time last watching week it, when yeah. I watched episode three. Uh, I was just like, I, you know, I could have been watching something else. Um, Morbius... Why? Why does this thing keep fucking popping up? Go on. Much derided, and a film I have not yet seen, neither of you. Maybe we should do it for a podcast. Oh, no. Uh, well, that's the point. <laughs> that all know exactly the point. Uh, it was apparently re-released in theatres to a resounding toilet flush. Who cares? Exactly, that's what everybody else said. The movie's theatrical re-release comes shortly after a barrage of Morbius-related memes gained traction across social media. What, so they thought that it was like, oh, let's ride that train? Right, most notably the Power Rangers inspired it's morbin time parody catchphrase trended on twitter for an entire week and one dedicated fan streamed the movie repeatedly on twitch until their stream was taken the down. only reason <laughs> to do that the only reason to sort of rescreen it so quickly after its failed release is if somebody went in and changed every single shot to him to look of him to look like a power ranger i just think that um, like sony have no sense of irony Right. And that they would have continued making bad Spider-Man movies if Marvel hadn't looked up with and, them. Yeah. Uh, the Sony looked at this whole thing and said, Oh, it's trending on Twitter. Maybe that means that people like it. No sense of irony whatsoever. I I, I don't know. This, this movie has gotten more attention than it really should, and I'm adding to it now. That was... Movie News. That was very good movie. Movie news. Movie news. A bit, bit of movie news for you there. Um, <laughs> My name's Gorg. My name's Gorg. I'm made of rocks, as you can see. But not a real circle. More like a freaky, <laughs> freaky circle. circle. Piss off, ghost. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I wanted to read you the taglines for this movie because um, the it's, it's really a little bit too uh, specific to play a tagline game. Okay. So um, Number mean, one. Yeah, number one, even nice people can go to hell. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she's not particularly nice. Right, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later on. Actually, it's probably going to make up the bulk of this podcast. But yeah. my answer to that is, is she though? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one is, Christine Brown has a good job, a great boyfriend, and a bright future. But in three days, she's going to hell. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And it's, all, and it's on the poster. That's not a very good tagline. <laughs> and it's on the poster. <laughs> Just a picture of her being dragged down into hell, which is the finest shot. I'm glad that we didn't do a tagline game, because I probably wouldn't have gotten either of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the poster is the final shot of the movie, which I always found to be slightly weird. Yeah. Well, Um, I mean, it's... um, Wasn't there something that... You're probably going to bring it up, but didn't Sam Raimi sort of talk about that? Like how... Like, I sort of read something about how they weren't hiding the fact that that was how the movie was going to end, and... The movie was always going to end like that, and funny, I didn't come across that in my trivia. Search, no, and I don't. Could remember... I be making this up? I'm sure no, I read this. It somewhere. sounds. It sounds like it sounds plausible, but I, I, I also didn't have time yesterday to watch the special features on my Blu-ray. But what's so what's so interesting? I, you know, we'll talk about it. But there's there's something about that ending that even though it's sort of 
based in the title in the poster it's telegraphed all the way through the movie yeah just knocks your socks off yeah 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 right. no it still gave me the shivers and i've seen it like yeah, five times yeah. okay this is the second time i've seen this movie i haven't seen it since we saw it in the cinema when it came out you know what actually you know what i might be exaggerating it might be the third time i've seen this movie because i saw it in the cinema with you probably saw it when you got it on blu-ray no i bought it on dvd Ew. and the dvd never got watched and i don't know why hmm uh, maybe because we're talking about 2009 and that was around the time that I started buying Blu-ray and I had just bought a DVD and I probably didn't want to watch it because I knew it would look ugly and compressed. And only recently did I buy the Scream Factory edition of uh, of the movie, which is like got a new transfer and like new special features and all the bells and whistles and whatever and the unrated version. Um, which, uh, yeah, and, and the unrated version and the theatrical version, which I'm not sure was released together before. But anyway, I Listeners, digress. you can wake up now. Go on. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck me indeed. Which actually brings me to my next, uh, to my next segment. Mm. You bastard. Six Yay. degrees of killing Sean Bean. And here is the jingle. <laughs> you stupid bastard. We don't actually have to wait. You can. You, I don't know why you and I freeze like it's a, like. Did you see? Do you remember that episode of Family Guy where they, they they go and they go back to the pilot and Stewie and and Brian are watching the family and then they're in the middle of Tokyo. They go. This reminds me of the time that blah blah blah. And they set up a cutaway and then all of them just stand there waiting. And he's like, "Is this what we used to do when we were setting up a cutaway?" <laughs> We don't have to actually wait. You cut those out. You, yeah. you put those that, in that, and move them correct. around. That's correct. We're just odd. If you're new or you missed the last episode, uh, I use an online actor generator to pull out a random actor from the ether. And this actor then has to be connected via six degrees of killing Sean Bean to uh, a person who has killed Sean Bean in a movie. Can you explain what six degrees means to people who've never heard of six degrees to Kevin Bacon? Right, so I, I believe I explained it last time, and if you haven't listened to the episode... Go well, back and listen to it, you lazy sods. Right, yeah. go on, let's go. You need to connect the actor through movies that they've been in. So um, let's say you wanted to connect... Do one from last week. Do one from last week. Because <laughs> actually, so in the last episode, previously, um, is that um, you know I, I really failed it. The pressure of the timer yeah. and also not being very good at this sort of thing is like, like, I can't call, you know, movie actors and their connections to all the movies that they've been in and, and their scene partners. Like, I just can't do it as quickly as Johnny can do it, right? So, right. and I'm turning to the listener now. I'm, I'm pleading with you for your understanding. So, so it's very, very difficult for me. And and, and it last was difficult week or for so, me as well. Last week or so, we were sitting down um, on Saturday morning. We were having coffee, and we were playing the game like just by ourselves, and <laughs> and we did really well. Like we both managed it. So I think for me, the problem is not having five minutes to do it, and also um, the microphone. The microphone. So right. today, right, you're going to give me my name, right, of an actor. I'm going to get up and walk away from the microphone <laughs> and scream my thought process from across <laughs> the room, right? Thereby eliminating the need to look at you counting down and to look at the microphone. I, I think that's a viable strategy. I, I think that that's, that's solid. That's a solid strategy. Do that. Um, okay, so I'll give you an example. For example, last week we had Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I came up with, with a better idea last time, but, uh, but doesn't matter. Um, so Tom Cruise was in A Few Good Men with, um, Jack Nicholson. with Jack Nicholson. 
And uh, and then Jack Nicholson was in Wolf with Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer was in What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford, who killed Sean Bean in Patriot Games. Mm-hmm. So uh, really, the key yeah. is to have a list of names of people who have killed Sean Bean, right? right? And then and then work backwards from there to the name of the person you got. Really? No, you got a list of the movies. You don't need a list of the of the actors who killed Sean Bean. Fuck. Look. Okay. But I mean you're going to walk away from me so you could away. cheat. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. No, I'm going to leave my phone here like a like a good like boy. A, like a good little boy. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So your actor is <laughs> This is absolute shit. This is gone. Your actor is Billy Bob Thornton. How the fuck am I supposed to do that? Okay. You have 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Yeah, as last time. Okay, yeah, yeah. And your time starts now. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, ooh, Halle Berry in Monsters Ball, who was with Pierce Brosnan, who killed Sean Bean in GoldenEye. You crafty little bastard. Motherfucker. Oh! I did it! <laughs> you did that in 10 seconds. Hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, I almost had an overreaction to something there. Oh, shit. It's my turn now. (laughs) Who'd you get? Michael Madsen. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Michael Madsen to somebody who killed Sean Bean. My time starts now. Michael Madsen to Uma Thurman Mm -hmm. uh, in Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. Uma Thurman to Ray Fiennes. Yes. In... In, fuck! I've just got. I've oh, gone in in blank. the Avengers. Okay. In the Avengers, yeah, yeah. Okay, Ray Fiennes. He was in James Bond, but he was not with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> oh my god! But okay. you could connect him to oh, any to English. Li- no, no, actor I got it. I got it. I got it. To Liam Neeson. To Liam Neeson. Ray Fiennes. To Liam Neeson in Schindler's List. Yeah. Liam Neeson. Uh, to, fuck! I had it a second ago. No, I had a second. Liam Neeson to Christian Bale in, in Batman Begins. Christian Bale killed uh, Sean Bean in Equilibrium. Boom. You crafty little bastard. That was impressive. Good job. And I was very, very calm about it as well. Yeah, no. It, well, I mean, you know, I don't have that setting in my brain. <laughs> was that was that enough? Um, was that enough degrees? <laughs> what do you mean? You have more? No, were there too many degrees there or did I... That, that was How many right. did you do? Count them off. You okay. did Michael Madsen to Uma, to Thurman, Uma Thurman to, to Ray, Ray Fiennes, Fiennes to Liam, to Liam Neeson, Neeson to, to Christian Bale to uh, Six Degrees. Yeah, yeah okay. you're I good. Got, I, I got right on the cusp. Yeah, right on it. Right on it. Hi, dear listener. This is Johnny talking to you from the future. Once again, the clock has beaten me because I could have just gone Michael Madsen to Pierce Brosnan and Die Another Day and Pierce Brosnan murdered Sean Bean in Goldeneye in cold blood. That bastard just goes to show the timer really buggers one up and also that uh, no matter what actor you're looking at you're probably closer to somebody who killed sean bean than you think anyway back to the show well that was you bastard six degrees of killing sean bean you stupid bastard you can stop doing the victory dance now <laughs> you smug bastard hey first of all when you get it you're a smug bastard correct and but secondly- but in this case you won because you got it in less degrees than i did <gasps> I never win the game. And in less time. Can I have the the thing? The crowd. I, I believe I gave you that. Thank you, crowd. Fuck all of you. <laughs>
Today's movie is Drag Me to Hell, and here's a brief synopsis for those of you who haven't seen the movie, but I would suggest you do see the movie before listening to this podcast, because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Drag Me to Hell is the story of bank clerk Christine Brown, who, while trying to impress her boss and subsequently get a promotion, refuses an old lady an extension on her mortgage, effectively evicting her from her home. The old lady, Mrs. Garnush, begs Christine, but winds up humiliated when Christine refuses. Ganush curses Christine, who finds herself haunted by a demon called Alamia. Desperate, Christine seeks the help of a fortune teller, who takes her to a medium with first-hand experience of dealing with Alamia, but unfortunately the previous customer was dragged to hell, so the outlook isn't good for Christine. After the seance claims the life of the medium, Christine's last-ditch attempts to pass the curse on seem to be successful. Unfortunately for her, in the last scene, this proves not to be the case, and in a twist of fate, she is ultimately dragged to hell. Do you want to talk about context? Mm, sure. Why did I come out Josh Widdicombe just then? Would you, you like want to, talk to talk about, about context? context? <laughs> Go on. Uh, well, there's not a lot here. I remember... I mean, I can tell you all of the weird stuff that we've done regarding this movie. <laughs> that sounds yeah. wrong. Um, but like, so Sorry, we've, we watched it in the cinema. We did. I was not expecting, because I had not seen, uh, the only Sam Raimi films that I'd seen was, were the Spider-Man ones. Right. right. You so had not seen, seen any Evil, Evil Dead? Dead, which right. I have now. Um, and I didn't get the style. Right. right. I think squelchy you, is a good way to describe that squelchy cartoony like it's yeah. um it's stylized it's 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 lots I of think, speed ramps and uh and and dutched angles and whip pans yeah i think yeah. that cartoony is a really good way to describe it but oh, like absolutely. without squash and stretch like that's that's my like it feels like an animated movie without all of the the things that make animated characters look goofy and funny like you know actually if you watch um, the scene where all of the objects come alive in Evil Dead 2. Mm. Um, that's extremely cartoony. Mm. Um, and the, uh, the deer that's like, that's mounted on the wall is a, is a puppet and yeah, looks very, look, there are, there yeah. are cartoony things like the goat and well, whatnot. Army but, of Darkness as well. Very cartoony. The, the, uh, the, the thing is, is that you tried explaining it to me. You tried describing the style to me before we went in. How old were you in 2009? I don't know. 18-ish? 18-ish. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 91, 2009. Yeah, that's math. Numbers. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. Um, so you weren't too young to see the movie. And no. in any case, as we said in the cold open, it's PG-13. So even if you were a few years younger, you could have It didn't scare me. It. it was just, uh, it was like there's, there's, a, there's a whiplash that you get from, from just how... Uh, how bonkers this film is. Like, right. It's fucking bon- I was watching it yesterday, um, and I sent you messages saying, yeah, this is bananas. This but is you, crazy. But you love the atmosphere. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I love, no, not, not bonkers or bananas right. in a bad way. Just like, it's, it's like, this is different. Right. It's very different. Like, it's not like, it's a horror movie, but it's not like any horror movie you've, you know, we've watched like, like it's not like The Conjuring or um, Insidious or yeah, something. Yeah, where you actually like have sympathy for the protagonist. Well, and not just that, just like the the things that are happening to them are are very sort of like um, you know d- d- little children running from one room to another and you know jump yeah. scares and whatever. This is like weird. Literally an arm down the throat. Shit. Yeah, like the thro- <laughs> the the her, her de- the old woman's dentures fall out, so she starts like trying to eat her without her teeth it's really weird <laughs> it's fucking weird she gets choked by a handkerchief yep 
Yep. It's strange. And look, there's there's a lot of stuff about the movie that we like incorporate. What a lot of stuff. There's one line that we incorporated into into another line in a film, which Johnny and I do this thing where sometimes you know we'll start one line off and it will somehow merge into something else. Yeah. So uh, there was a the, Marie the baguettes hurry up from uh, from Beauty and the Beast ended up as the the, uh, the, theme, the song theme song from, from Rupert, Rupert the Bear. Right. And now don't ask me how that happens. It, it just, just happens. it just does. It just happens. Um, oh no! But also regular lines from films get ruined completely, just like <laughs> right. for, like uh, Antonio Banderas from uh, um, the the Mask of Zorro. Right. Right. Where he says, you know, what's his face? Uh, Captain Love says to him, uh, if you'll excuse us, the lady and I were trying to dance. And he goes, you were trying. She was succeeding. But over the years, it's become, you were trying. She She was succeeding. succeeding. It just gets really (laughs) freaking creepy. So I don't know why or how this happens. Quantum of Solace. Go on. Quantum oh, of Solace. The, the, no, no. <laughs> I said get in. Okay, the, okay. There's so the two one. things from Quantum of Solace, <laughs> but the, uh, the the woman at the airline desk. Nobody cares about this. <laughs> the woman at the airline desk. He sort of he leans down. And he says, "You're going to get a phone call in a moment. Would you mind telling them I've gone to Cairo?" And she says, "I'd be happy to." She says, "She just says I'd yes. be happy to." No, but she says she has like a she like a, a little slight, bit of a little bit of a gurgle like whatever. in her throat, and we've turned it into. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets worse. Like, <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. Anyway, so this movie's Random one. Shit. This movie's one was also a James Bond thing. Yeah. What was it? It was Die Another Day. Die no, Another Die Day. Another yeah, day. Yeah. So in Die Another Day, um, M comes back to uh, to 007 after she's sort of um, like cut ties with him. Yeah. He's been disavowed, as it were. Yeah. And uh, and she comes back to him and she's like, you know, we need you back, kind of thing. And he says, you burn me. And now you want my help. And um, and also, that's another thing. Pierce Brosnan's voice, as time has gone on, has become a lot more... Yeah. With like, yeah. We've been doing it like that yeah, for years. Yeah, we've, we've taken regular Pierce Brosnan quotes and turned them into that. Yeah. But, but I mean, if you watch things like the uh, the torture scene in The World Is Not Enough, like he does... He's gurneying yeah, a lot. He's, gurn- he's doing... One last yeah yeah um so uh so yeah so <laughs> so Piers Brosnan seemed a r- the right fit for uh Mrs. Garnush um <laughs> when she says you shamed me and then we just continue it with and now you want my help <laughs> random <laughs> shit you have to be one of us in order None to appreciate of you it. fucking Nobody are still cares. with us you don't care hello this whole time you've been going we hello? don't care is anybody still there <laughs> What was that? A thousand, a thousand listens suddenly dropped down to three. I don't think they can take listens away from you. They will after this. Your listens have been revoked. Your context, please. My context. Uh, pretty much the same thing. We went to the cinema. I thought it was absolutely bonkers and I loved it. Started ruining lines from Started it. Started ruining lines from it. But I just, I remember that like at the time we hadn't, we hadn't really gone to see a lot of uh, horror movies in the cinema. Um, and there weren't a lot of really good ones coming out at the time. So I remember we went to see things like uh, My Bloody Valentine and Friday the 13th, like the remakes. Um, there were a lot of movies like that coming out and they weren't particularly very good. So you wanted to go to a movie where you could be sufficiently chilled, not necessarily like scared shitless, but sufficiently chilled and that the jump scares like nowadays it's you know a lot of horror movies just sort of rely blindly on a jump scare it's well but like, now now jumps, jump scares are considered cheap 
Right, exactly. Right. But if they're done well, yeah. my God, you uh, can jump six feet in the air yeah. in the cinema. Drag Me to Hell has at least six or seven good jump scares. And they're, they're really good ones. Yeah. Um, and and, and you, you kind of expect them. But I mean, it's as I said about, uh, about Doctor Strange. Sam Raimi is the is me when i was a kid he's the he's the older brother that delights in scaring the shit out of his younger sibling mm-hmm. siblings or whatever it is and um and he's pulling he'll, their he'll, pigtails he'll dangle the spiger spiger spider in front of you and be like the spiger no the spiger he'll dangle the spider on a string in front of the uh the sibling yeah and uh yeah it's it's he 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 delights in doing that and you can see in this movie he's just like Probably sitting behind the uh, the avid, going, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, like putting this thing together. There there are quite a few good jump scares, and so like being in the cinema and watching that kind of thing uh, was really fun and refreshing to me. I, I really I really had a good experience watching this. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And there are things that in this movie that make you go, oh god. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about the boys before we started recording, yeah. and uh, everybody's talking about this one scene in episode one of season three. Um, and there are a lot of things in the boys that are kind of like, oh my god, my eyes, my eyes, <laughs> and this is this is no different. I mean, it's uh, it's it's really kind of like, oh dear god, oh dear god, why, 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 why are you doing that? Um, so, is watching- there a real reason behind that why, though? I'm just curious. I don't know. Other watch than it- just being a <laughs> watch it a and come back to me. <laughs> things to talk about. Watch it and come back to me. The thing is that watching Drag Me to Hell yesterday. Uh, first of all, I, I watched it in October because we were going to do this for for our first episode. Yeah. Because we started the podcast in ha- on Halloween, like around around Halloween, uh, which is why there are a bunch of like chiller movies uh, as the uh, as a as a couple of the the first few episodes. Yeah. Um. So, but we thought that maybe a, a straight horror movie like this might alienate people because it's kind of, you know, it's it's, it's kind of random niche. and it, yeah, it's a little niche. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I, so I watched it in October and I remember thinking, eh, it's not as, you know, shocking as I remember. Yeah. It's more like, you know, humorous. Yeah. It's definitely disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, yeah. Watching it yesterday with that episode of The Boys in my mind as context <laughs> made me go, okay, this is tame. <laughs> so I was watching it and I wasn't scared. Like, he doesn't rely on a lot of jump scares in this movie. Um, there are a few. He doesn't rely on it, like, but the, but he delights no, in it. He, there's there's uh, there's like the scene in the parking garage where the um, uh, the camera slowly pans around, following yeah, yeah. her gaze. You know, following the the sort of handkerchief flying around, yeah. and you can very clearly see Mrs. Ganesh sitting in the back seat, yeah. and she doesn't like jump forward or anything. She very slowly leans forward, and she goes. You shame me. And now you want, want my, my help. help. Yep. And, um, oh boy, this is going to be a difficult episode for our listeners. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so let, let's start from the beginning, okay? Um, right. Hello and welcome to What's <laughs> no. Our Seat Now? <laughs> so the opening scene is very atmospheric. Yeah. And the first thing that you see in the movie is somebody being dragged to hell yeah um which i thought was really cool yeah um and then you've got that 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 sort of title and a sequence, child no less. and it's a child yeah and then you've got that title sequence that is you know all of the uh all the, the kind of like 
um, you know, sort of satanic books and, and like the images, the pictures, the drawings, like mm-hmm. whatever. And that gorgeous Christopher Young score. Yeah. That like, you know, like, yeah. Awesome. He does an incredible job and he manages to break out of the Elfman shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it's a great score. I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, and, and you've got like the, the link to Jerry Goldsmith. Um, uh, like it's it's very much inspired by the Omen, mm, uh, and I right. remember like you got that, those like choral voices and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I remember watching uh, an interview with Christopher Young when he talks about where he talks about like uh, Goldsmith's score for the Omen being a being a major influence, and that he he doesn't in I th- I believe on the Omen Blu-ray, um, there's just an entire uh, interview just dedicated to Jerry Goldsmith, and it's Christopher Young just giving appreciation really um see that's really interesting because we don't have enough because you do get like vfx like uh sections on on blu-rays and behind the scenes and like whatever but i don't really i don't see enough like stuff on composers and whatnot like a whole thing dedicated uh, to them i I, look there there are hans zimmer Hans Zimmer and John Williams and uh, Alan Silvestri. There's like there's, there's quite a few. Definitely the big guys get. Yeah. Uh, get so some, maybe it's my spotlight. problem. Like I don't I don't like I don't seek those things out. But it's really interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So then moving on, we're in the bank. Yeah. So what struck me here is how um, similar this bank looks to the one in Yes Man. Yeah. And right, how right. opposite the predicament that Christine has with. Refu- with with giving too many yeses and re- and and now having to refuse a loan, yeah. um, with Jim Carrey refusing every loan and then having to suddenly say yes to yeah. everybody. I I don't know. I am they they came out more or less the same time and they probably weren't connected to each other in any way. But it's but just it's, this it's weird tenuous yeah. connection that I made that I thought was uh, was very interesting. You know, I was thinking exactly the same. Not not that, but yesterday I was going. This bank looks exactly like the bank in Yes Man. Yeah, I was thinking that yesterday. Yeah, um, and also the, uh, the 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 complete opposite that Reese Darby is to uh, uh, to David Paymer, the uh, the bank manager. Right. We're not going home. Not really. Not really. Um, yeah. So uh, so I I want to talk in general about Christine's character because she is our eyes and ears of this movie. Like she's our she's way our in. protagonist. She's our protagonist, right? But the issue is that she is not very likable and. Raimi gives you a little bit of uh, of context at the uh, at the beginning. You see that she's very put upon. You see that this guy Stu is trying to get the uh, the promotion that she's after. You see that they uh, the sort of David Paymer and uh, the sort of the bank manager and this guy Stu are kind of ganging up on her quite a lot. Um, and she feels marginalized. She feels like um, you know that the that she's a victim of sexism. Yeah. Um, and you know, so, so there, there is a certain amount of sympathy that you feel for her. Unfortunately, when it gets to the point where Lorna Raver's character, um, Mrs. Garnish comes into the, uh, comes into the bank. I, that's it. Like from the, and we're talking like maybe 10 minutes into the movie. I completely lose sympathy for her at that Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. I I mean, obviously like Mrs. Garnish is like coughing up phlegm and she's putting her dentures on the table and like, there's all this like, you know, gunk and goo and all that. And, and it's very, very disgusting and whatnot but at the end of the day you know before you realize that she's in communion basically with, with a demon mm. um you know the uh the, the this is you got this poor innocent woman who uh, who has not been able to make uh, the payments to uh, on her house and the bank is going to take her house away they're going to foreclose 
Mm. And uh, Christine could give her an extension on the loan. She could. And it's made clear twice in the movie that she could have given an extension on the loan. She goes into the bank manager's office and she says to him, "Um, you know, what, what about this woman? And he says, your call. You know, like, the bank is going to lose money on her, your call. And he's obviously, like, goading her and he's challenging mm-hmm. her. And she thinks to herself, well, I need to get this promotion and I need to impress my boss. So I'm going to ruin this woman's life just for that. And it's a very, like, weak character decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was thinking to myself, like, you know, Raimi is asking you to put yourself in that position, in that, like, in that, that dilemma. Would you make the same decision? And thinking about it in all honesty and i'm not being you know righteous or anything like that no i would not um i would not make that decision i would make the decision based on the paperwork based on the facts based on the uh on on the uh the the details of no, the case in front what, of me no but also you're a human and you're right. able to, to and, and the person sitting in front of me i would not make it based on whether or not i will get a promotion um, well, so there are there are some things here that I definitely agree with you on and that I disagree on. Like, I think that she obviously could have, and it is made clear that she could have given her the extension and, you know, like all of that stuff. But there's, there's like having, you know, having worked as a manager, like in, in an office where, you know, I've had to, I've had to sometimes, you know, say no to someone who really needs or, or wants a raise or something because, you know, they're, their ratings just don't match what they need in order they right. it doesn't you know but like i could go to you know the the head office in tel aviv and i could really fight the case but like you know it's like i don't i don't believe that that person really deserves it or something so like you know i'll i'll make that decision but but it's like yeah but that's a, that's an, an educated decision that's an educated decision based on my knowledge of who that person is right. and what their their scores are and how they perform in right. the job and there have been the opposite as well where someone has deserved it and they haven't gotten it and i've gone to head office like this is many years ago when i was working in a in an office as a as a manager and whatever but like now now I, I hate the idea of that, but it's like when you're working as a, think about it, like she's a career woman, this is her career, like right. it's not like just a job that she could say, well, it nothing's worth this, like, you know, like I'll, I'll find something else. She's putting all of her hopes and dreams on this and she wants, you know, approval right. from everyone, from her boyfriend's parents and right. and all of that thing. So not justifying her actions, but saying Sam Raimi does put you in this position where you can understand why like people can be weak people can be right. like there's even a thing later where she lies that it was like her, we'll her boss okay yeah. but like but that again that didn't vilify her for me like i think that we are all shades of gray and, and black right. and white right. and, and all of I that i just think and that in this particular situation she handled it very very badly she and did. she could but have she like handled it like she a starts, person like, but she like starts a human like, being she starts like begging she gets down on her knees and uh and and what a, a nice considerate human being would do is get down on her knees with her say, and say please don't please, please come sit back down and we'll see what we can do right. but no she's like completely no i'm not going to give you anything because i because i want this promotion i want my boss to see me as a contender yeah and i'm not saying she's a good person i'm not saying that she's a but there's there's this there's this sort of thing that it felt like when i was watching it yesterday where i was like it's almost like like a a fully that this would this would be something that someone decides to do 
and that doesn't necessarily make them the bad guy in the film. It makes them it makes them a little bit shitty because they're looking out for themselves, but you can understand how a person would do that because people do do that. It's like, right. listen, in The Last of Us and Last of Us 2, you are constantly, and in many games, you're constantly doing things that the developers want you to be doing. They're pulling you along this path. And sometimes the things that your character is doing is a deplorable acts, you know, not because they're bad people, but because they're put into situations where, where they feel not that they have to, but they feel that they have to. Right. And that's a very important distinction. And it's right. a game that the game makers are playing <clears throat> with your, with your conscience. And it's the same thing that Sam Raimi's doing. He's, he's like saying to you, you know, she doesn't have to do this. She feels like she has to do right. this. And you have often done things that you feel like you have of to course. do. Maybe not on this scale, but it's a thing that you can identify with. So it's a very interesting balancing act of make, maintaining her as the protagonist and not necessarily anti-heroing her or making her into a, um, you know, a bad a guy rogue, or, a or something yeah. like that. She's she's a very flawed woman in, right. with problems. She's got issues. Right. And that's something that I actually really enjoyed watching. Right. So this is what I was talking about. So so basically what what horror movies normally do is they either present um the female as the victim or the heroine. There's a very clear set of characteristics to those characters generally. Um and you're supposed to be completely on board like boogeyman bad you know, girl yeah, running, exactly. screaming, it's all good. black and white, right? And in this case, Raimi is asking you to sympathize with somebody who, to to me, like despite everything you just said, is a weasel. I think she's a complete weasel. I think mm-hmm. that she's spineless, and I think that um, that like she will do anything to get ahead, and she'll do anything to survive. And the, and it develops um, during the uh, during during the rest of the movie. Um, for example, like in the uh, in the in the fight in the garage, mm. when she thinks that she's uh, that she's beaten her, she screams, "I beat you, you old bitch!" Yeah, and she starts laughing maniacally. Yeah. Um, now you could say that that's kind of a release of tension, mm. but at the same time, you sort of in 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 situations like that, you kind of reveal your true self. Yeah. And that to me is like, that's her true face. I mm. beat you, you old bitch. You know, it's not like, I'm sorry, I, I can make this right. I can fix it. It's I beat you, you old bitch. Mm-hmm. Ha 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 ha. No, but that's, so, that's not her motivation. Her motivation is not to fix uh, what she did wrong to her. Her motivation is to get the curse off her. Right. right? But that's, that's what I'm saying. Instead of trying to fix what she did and get the curse off her that way, she's she believes that she is in the right. She's the victim and the and Ganesh she, is she's the, the bad vi- guy. Right, exactly. And the monster. Um, right. And, and it's just very interesting because there is a fear you know, around Mrs. Ganush. Like, Raimi does make you afraid of her. Mm-hmm. She makes you afraid of the demon, which is the Lamia. Um, well, she's she's also, like, she's creepy looking. She's, she's got, like, crazy look- hair. Yeah. She's got a, a, a one miscolored eye. Right. Um, um, she's uh, She's got these weird teeth. She's coughing up phlegm. Like, she's very, right. uh, she's very monster-y. But if you right. think about who she is, actually, she's just an old lady. Right. Right? But she's, uh, she's... The, the whole thing is that they they cast this beautiful blonde as you know the right. the the lead in the movie and she's very clean and she's very sort of, you know um and she wears like nice sort of like button down shirts to right. work and dresses during the rest of the you know whatever mm-hmm. um and um and this old woman who is wearing like 
uh, raggy kind of like not not like the nicest things and she, she she's hard, hunched over so there's a lot of like design decisions right, right visual decisions i remember that are drawing your eye and your your conceptions yeah. and your biases into a specific place so you know that still um is it biases it is right biases is it bi- biases biases i'm really sorry i don't know because they're gone okay um get answers on a postcard answers please on to, a postcard the broom to, cupboard. <laughs> to the little dungeon under the stairs where we right. keep simon um so you know that still that was doing the rounds of um of uh mrs garnish like screaming and pointing yeah. so that was the first still i saw of the movie and it was in an empire or something like empire mm. or a total film or something like that i saw that in like 2008 and i went that looks incredible. Mm. I didn't know anything else about it. It said Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell will be released, blah, 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 blah. And it's about a, you know, a, a gypsy curse or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that image was all that there was aside from that little description. And I thought, Sam Raimi, that it's going to be great. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously there's a, there's a very iconic look. Um, and and, and I, I love the look of her and everything. The funny it's thing inverted, is... It's inverted, though. That's what I'm trying to say, is that, right. they, that the... The, the, the real the, monster is like... I, again, I don't think... That, obviously, the monster yeah. is like the, the Lamia, right? That, right? That's the monster monster. That's right. what's chasing her. That's what's haunting her. But Raimi her. is asking you to look inward. He's exactly. asking you to look like, at the monster within. Exactly. Like, and, and, and it's really Human uncomfortable nature. exactly how much he puts you in... He puts her in the driver's seat. And he also puts her... He puts, like you, her he puts you in the driver's seat with her. Si- situations like yeah. i'm not talking about you know f- uh, being drowned by rain in a grave and all that and shoving a right. envelope yeah, down yeah. a corpse's mouth but you know there's there's something there's something about like the the, the mundanity of the bank right. and the bank loan job right. right and the the mundanity of a dinner at, at the at the in-laws or the potential in-laws and things like that that are very you know it's it's only a, a, about like halfway through the movie when when we start like um, you know, really getting some yeah. some some shadows of a goat man, you know, and, right. and um, you know, the, it's it's a ramp up, and 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 there's a lot of mundane things that are going on. Um, but j- just on the on the subject of like her character arc, she does ultimately at the end of the day make the decision not to just pass it on to somebody else. She tries to. She tries to, but she goes. Not even you deserve this. Like, I don't know anybody who I could do right. this to. And that is, in my opinion, a kind of a kind of redemption, as it were. Like, she had every opportunity to just, like, drop it in somebody's post box or in the house or in someone's she handbag. because it needed to be presented a as a formal gift. Right. So, right. Okay, so she could have gone to anybody uh, and just said, like, I'd like to give you this, you know, whatever. She and tried to give it to Harry Osborne's butler in the cafe. Right. She tried <laughs> to give it to a few people... And she had this opportunity to give it to her worst enemy, right? Someone who makes it, and she's like, I can't do that. So there's like a little yeah. bit of a turnaround there. Uh, but, but like, um, I see what you're saying. Do I, do I think that she deserved what, what she got? I, I don't think so. I think that was no, rather look, violent. I mean, there was definitely a, um, I don't think she was a villain to the point where she was killing people. Right, of course not. But with um, a machete. Yeah, I, I, d- I did think about this. Mall. I remember thinking about this back in October when I watched it. Was that with is, a false beard on her face? She, <laughs> she she's deplorable. Um, uh, but you know, is the uh, the whole just sort a of question? Cursing. You can let us know on Facebook. How many of you, when he said deplorable, thought of Treasure Planet and went deplorable, uh, adorable? Continue. 
<laughs> not me. <laughs> not you, but I'm sure that no. there are people. Um, so, so she's 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 not the, the nicest person, but I, you know, obviously the the punishment is kind of disproportionate. Yeah. Um, you know, the the actual sort of dragging to hell and whatnot, but the but the fact is that presented with all of this um, this stuff that's going on, that mm-hmm. all of these things that are happening to her, the uh, the intensity of the um, of the of the events that take place uh she doesn't ever let up she's always lying mm. she's always lying about it and uh and quite frankly at some point you just need to say you know what i did it i did it is there any way that i can get out of this now you know i just i doesn't she's... she say that to ganish's daughter like at some no, point no she doesn't she says to her you come in here and you lie to me and she sort of like looks down and she cops to it without actually saying anything like she, yeah. you know she she she's been caught so she stops yeah. lying so and... that was the thing and she says to ganish's daughter i you know my uh, my bank manager wouldn't let me and yeah. she's like you would lie to me and then she's like Ugh. yeah uh, like she, she does was caught. yeah she was caught yeah. but like doesn't she then say can't you help me anyway right so Okay, mo- moving on. I, I mean, like, this uh, we can we can have this conversation for the next uh, couple of hours. I, I, I don't want to bore. Times are wasting. Times are wasting. Um, but uh, yeah, so there there are a few really great um, fortune telling scenes. Like the the first fortune telling scene is great. I, mm-hmm. I love the uh, the cycling shadows that uh, that sort of rotate in the room. The wind. Every time, like in a movie, where you see like somebody's hair ruffling in the wind or, or whatever due to some kind of supernatural force. I love that shit. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why. It's very eighties, but I, I love that. Um, and the uh, the devil jump scare. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's uh, that's just great. I, I I really enjoy that. Um, and then you know, obviously coming to the. Uh, uh, to the to the seance scene, which we'll get to a little bit later. Like all of that stuff is just, I mean, like Raimi really knows how to build atmosphere. Yeah, and the whole um, atmosphere of the movie is is yeah. so much fun to be in. Like it's it's still it's like a lot of a lot of great visuals and a lot of great music and sound effects and 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 moments and lingering on something for a minute and then leaving it and then coming back to it. Like there's a lot of great moments. Um, that are just punctuated by this very thick atmosphere of of of, of cartoon horror, which is really really fun. Right. Um, and and you know, like also the close quarters of like it's it's almost like the Sam Raimi is like saying she's not actually safe anywhere. Like she's not safe in her car, and um, she's not safe in her own bed. She's not safe in the bed. She's not safe in her house. She's not safe in a seance. You know, she's not safe. She's not safe anywhere uh, in the street. Um, but before we move on to uh, to talking about the seance, can we just talk about Justin Long. Justin Long. Friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we wish. We wish, yeah. Um, I fucking love him, but I also love his character in this movie. He's such a... Yeah. Uh, like, he is the example of, you know, the good person right yeah like, he's a really good person like you don't believe like, like he the thing you is don't that know he's why there she's to, with, he's with her <laughs> right but the thing is that he's there to kind of balance her out mm-hmm. and to sort of be the rational the voice of reason kind of yeah. thing and um but you would think that if he was in her position he wouldn't have handled it like that you know yeah he wouldn't right but he also probably wouldn't have been marginalized for being a woman but there's well there is that. first of all yes really well spotted the thing that i wanted to point out about their dynamic right is that the I think that Sam Raimi's and this is just a, what I think um, is using Justin Long as this sort of paragon, you know, of of light, um, in order to sort of say like, if he's with her, 
right? And we're seeing her in this moment in her life. There must be something else that we don't know. Like she, you know, maybe she's not always been like this. Maybe right. this is a, you know, like it's it's almost like, you know, he 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 must there must be good in her to attract right. this kind of person. And there there's there's like a sympathy that you feel. Um, or that I felt for that sort of like, you know, okay, well, she, she's not always been this turd. So there you go. The, um, the sympathy is, f- is from like, there's a, it really, it's a split second shot that kind of sets up and, and, um, and, and explains a lot of the stuff that happens to her, which is the pork fair photo that you see her yeah. at a, uh, at a pork fair in, um, at, what is it in this, like on the farm or something yeah. like, uh, you know, where she grew up and, uh, and she's chubby. Mm-hmm. And you can see that she's been through this uh, this long, uh, arduous journey of sort of getting thin. And she's really skinny in the movie. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff that Garnish does to her is like sort of taunting her for being, uh, you know, like a, uh, a, a former fat kid, basically. Mm. Um, and, uh, and and also like somebody mentions that, oh, yeah, the, the uh, Garnish's uh, granddaughter, daughter yeah. or granddaughter, I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, but she says that you're a, you're a fat kid, weren't you? Mm-hmm. Why do you do that when you're fighting? That pose you do when you're fighting. Yeah, why are you the, Russian exactly? With the with the hair, with the with the with the arm, with the hair and the arm, you're posing, you're poser. Um, <laughs> I, I sorry, like, Johnny just had a stroke. I apologize. I really liked Black Widow, and I like Yelena. Okay, yeah. So there isn't a certain amount of sympathy there, but like, but she keeps doing things that make me hate her. Um, like you know, the lying and the you know. I trying never to... hated her. I was I was just like I was like. She she's low. She's a low. She's low person. Yep. It's like I at no point was I going. So oh, I, you know what? I'm on the Lamia's side now. I I kind of was, but anyway, really? um, I'm gonna go through the uh, a few things that I that I really liked. Um, this is the point where I just you know there's so much stuff that I've written and I'm just gonna start reading my notes. Okay. Um. So the the shot when she goes down the stairs in uh, in Ganesh's apartment into the mm. wake, yeah. like there's a guy behind her that goes ah, ha, 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 and like sort of pulls her into the to the wake. Um. That I I thought when I first saw that that it was a dream that she'd gone into some kind of like trance or something. Yeah. Um. It's just really well done. I love that. I love the fact that the photo of Ganesh. Um, that's uh, that's like sort of above the coffin, kind of follows her. Mm. Um, I didn't notice that. Yeah, um, the dummy, the Ganesh's dummy that is used like several times. Like they use the same mold. It's probably like six or seven dummies, but like they use the same mold for all of them. It doesn't really look like Lorna Raver, and right. it's kind of janky. Um, and also when it's like flailing around on top of her, um, it looks. Really janky. Like, it looks like a doll. Yeah. Um. They only had like thirty million dollars for this movie. It made ninety, but uh, but the they budget. couldn't have just gotten the actress to to come and jump on top of her. I'm not sure because like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they wanted to put her through. To be honest, uh. they didn't mind putting uh, putting Alison Lohman through it, but like, uh, but Lorna Raver. I'm sure they. She had. must have been exhausted at the end. Of yeah, yeah, this yeah. Film. There's there's more. Um. Yeah. Uh, don't really have to be here, do I? Don't have to give opinions about anything. You just got all of my opinions written down there, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Fighting sit here and let you do it. Go on, Johnny. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us what time it is. Go on. Yeah. Uh, the cloven hooves under the door. I love that. Go on. Garnish in the phone. Garnish in the phone? Yeah. So in 2009, we had flip phones with like little screens, and yeah. she sort of appears on one of the screens and oh, goes, right, ah! right, 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 yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dinner scene. 
where she uh, where she meets Clay's parents. Clay, yeah. played by Justin Long, is excruciating. Um, and by the way, that is Molly Cheek, who is Jim's mom from American Pie. Oh, yes. The scene in the garage where she's like, um, where she's searching for things to sell so that she yeah. can pay off the medium. There's a great jump scare. There's a couple mm-hmm. of really bad dummies in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and some ropey CGI, which is the eyeball uh, kind yeah, of popping well, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I didn't think that the, uh, the the scene needed to be there, but I like the uh, the kind of ramping pans yeah. of her, like, s- like, kind of clocking the things that she can use in order to crush her. And then she sees, like, randomly in her garage an, an anvil, anvil just kind of that's what i mean there. by cartoon yeah, yeah it's so roadrunner the whole thing where the anvil comes down and you know the eyeballs fl- like one flies into her mouth it's like yeah. i wish that that would have been i mean i think it's really commendable that they were still using dummies in 2009 there are certain things that should have been practical like the eyeball flying into her mouth should have been practical. could have been practical for and then sure. it would have been much more squelchy and much more ew yeah. but to me i'm looking and, at it and, and I by go, the way oh, that's it CGI. doesn't yeah the problem with this cgi is that it does that that particular shot it doesn't actually look like it's going into her mouth yeah uh there's no real occlusion there it's like there's something very very off about it um and, and also it doesn't look like it's sitting in the scene it hasn't been composited very well like, it's very clearly cgi and it like it looks very janky practically that would have just been gross and and it would have like left slime trails behind when it popped back out again you know like right. it would have been gross uh yes <laughs> It would have been better if she would like you would have seen a close up of her mouth going. Blah, yeah, like there's a of, lot of that in the movie of yeah. like you know discharges coming from people. Oh my mouths. god, the maggots! Yeah, maggots. maggots are yeah. yeah. The, oh, the the there's a there's a scene that we didn't talk about, which is the uh, the the nosebleed in the yeah, bank. Yeah, right. So it's really funny because I and, and I kind of like laughed out loud at this. The, the the like she starts having this nosebleed and then it starts gushing and then it starts like like Exploding really like outwards sort of projectile you know gushing and um, and the bank manager is going stop 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 it stop it and I just found that really funny because it's like obviously she's not in control <laughs> doing it on purpose. Um, so yeah, that was that was amusing. That's a little Sam Raimi touch for you there. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the seance. We've come to the seance. I love this scene. It's great. Yeah. I remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking this is the best thing ever. <laughs> so the medium's name is uh, Sean Sandena, mm-hmm. played by uh, Adriana Barazza, mm-hmm. um, and um, so basically her house is like you've got this kind of like. Almost, I, I'm not sure if it, if it's a if it's a pipe organ kind of uh, kind of a sound effect that they put on there, but there's definitely like the, the establishing shot is definitely very gothic, yeah, and it's kind of half a gothic house that you would sort of associate with like Hammer or um, or uh, or Dracula or that kind of yeah. thing, and half a hacienda, yeah. So I just love the the kind of like there's the a great mix of the tones, combination yeah. of like gothic hacienda there. I love that, um, and the the seance scene is like Sam Raimi going okay now it's on yeah you know the you've got like the the sort of the uh, the ghosts that come in and then she banishes them and they're like ah like straight to the straight into the camera yeah. um you know you've got the uh, the various different people getting um getting possessed and the goat getting possessed just like it's just a it's, brilliant it's scene it's all really it's really, really atmospheric like and like the design well, like, and it's, yeah uh, it's um you know it's it's the 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 cat coming out of the guy's mouth i don't want your cut yeah, yeah it's just really um la mia 
brilliant it's brilliant i love it i love it um and classic, here she is classic. here she is like faced with the uh, with this demon and she's still fucking lying it wasn't me it was my bank manager mr jacks like come on it's a demon it knows when you're lying it knows yeah um yeah i i I, here's a thing here's a question yes she knows that he said you know it's your call we know that no one made her but honestly now yeah he did sort of present it to her as like if you make this call we're gonna leave you where you are and you're not going to move forward and you know it he kind of did back her into a corner it's in from her perspective i'm from saying her perspective, right? i'm not yeah. saying actually we've already established that actually she could have done something else right but, you know her her in her view he did make her she doesn't think she had any other choice right so from her perspective she's not lying Okay. I'm it's just an saying, it's another argument. way of it's thinking an interesting about argument. it. That's all. It's an interesting It's argument. all about, if you were to take a movie where there's a villain, right? And I'm not talking about moustache twirling villain. Even right. this movie. And you were to flip everything around and watch it flip from that. Flippendo! Sorry. And watch everything from that character's perspective and suddenly they're the protagonist, mm-hmm. right? It's like, do you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of, you can kind of see how that works in this case. Like, if you just, like take what she's, you know, the, from her point of view, the Jedi are evil. No, from her point of view, <laughs> are you with me? Like, do you know what I mean? Like when you take like a villain in a movie and you like turn the movie around and you were to look at it from their perspective, you might start sympathizing with them. I get exactly what you're saying. Thank you. Yes. Moving on. Moving Seance on. Seance was great. I love the, the CG goat. Really yeah, funny. The CG goat. Yes. I, I really enjoy the cemetery scene as well. I think that that's just, you know, really great like even with the uh the the sort of the crappy dummy that kind of just bobs there in the water um the uh it's it's kind of like a wonky tim burton cemetery and you can see the the map painting in the background the cgi map painting you know but it's like it's so atmospheric it's almost it's it's sort of deliberately heightened in that way so i i don't know i i really enjoy that um i really like the uh the MacGuffin of the button yes um, and the the way that, um, that it's the, such a simple object, like it's, yeah. it's such a such a mundane again mundane uh, being the word to describe like you know the you know the supernatural versus the mundane. Yeah. So the uh, so Ram Jazz is the uh, is the medium, and he says to Christine uh, after the séance, you know what you could do uh, if you wanted to be really morally ambiguous you could pass that thing on and then you curse some innocent person like think of somebody you really hate christine who, who do you really dislike well he was saying to her like i didn't want to yeah tell you, you about this because you know then the shit I would happening be an to accomplice. you the, yeah and i would be an accomplice and the shit that's happening to you is then gonna happen to somebody else yeah you're passing the curse on um but anybody paying attention knows that there is a um vintage coin in a white envelope that she gives to Justin Long at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And um and the uh and Ram Jazz gives her the button in, in a, a in a white envelope. envelope. So it's like it's it's really obvious. And I and I sort of sussed it out like when in October when I watched it, I sussed it out. And, and you know, remember I hadn't seen this since two thousand and nine. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's obviously they're gonna mix up the envelopes. Yeah. Um but also like remembering the the final shot there's no way that she actually succeeded in passing the curse yeah. along um 
but uh but yeah i i just uh, i i really i love that that tiny little object that gives her that little bit of hope and you have that sort of triumphant scene where she uh where she shoves the envelope down the Ganesh's Ganesh's corpse. corpse's throat and says you know choke on it bitch or something like yeah. that and and i and i just think that uh, that she needs to have that kind of moment of triumph so that so that it's a shock to her. Right. <laughs> you know, when, uh, like, that that kind of, that moment, I always think of it as the uh, the bass drop moment, like in um, in Fight Club, when uh, Helen Bonham Carter says, Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden, you fucking freak, what's going on? Yeah. And he goes, yeah. we have just lost cabin pressure. And that's that moment when Justin Long is like, you look so beautiful, you got such a good heart. Does she though? Um, <laughs> like, he's like, you know, I, I love you so much and I want to like, you know, I want to propose to you and I got this ring and whatever. And then, oh, by the way, um, you left this in my car. It's like, it's a button. Yeah. And uh, and you see that look on that dawning of, uh, of realization on her face. like, doing. Yeah, she's like, I'm fucked. Yeah, that's it. It's all over. And then she walks backwards, falls onto the track. So the final shot mm what sells it for me i mean i love the uh i love the cgi demons i love her being dragged down i love her sort of turning all like veiny and and whatever but and the, her eye is like her eye sockets like uh, yeah you know, the thing that sells it for me is justin long's her reaction face. yeah to yeah, it. yeah absolutely you know you've got this in, he looks this, horrified yeah and and like you know a lot of times he's playing the comedy sidekick he's got like He's got the the humor, like he's he's always spitting out these sort of these improv lines and and whatever, and he does that a lot in this movie as well. But the entire movie, he's sort of built up as this rational guy, and he's the voice of reason, and he's sober and professorial and etc. Cetera, he's et cetera. also saying to her like, you know, I don't um I don't believe in any yeah of this I don't stuff, believe in any I, of this I get stuff. it that you do, so yeah, I'm here to help you exactly. Whatever. And suddenly he's faced with oh shit, she was telling the truth, and, and I could have like sells, done more yeah, as well. Yeah, but he sells that realization of like oh my god i'm really seeing this he sells it so well yeah. it gives me chills that's what gives me chills mm -hmm. it's like is him and he it's just well, like also her screams yeah her screams but like that shot of him is like that there he's an excellent actor yeah you know he's just a really good he actor. is an excellent and actor. he doesn't overplay it it's so restrained incredible there's nothing more that i can say about that but he's just he's just excellent a couple of uh notable mentions the staple flying at the camera <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Um, is this honorable honorable mention time? Honorable mentions. Yeah. Alexis Cruz plays the dad in the first sequence in the prologue, yeah. and he is the kid from Stargate, the native kid from Stargate. Right. Chelsea Ross uh, plays Clay's dad, and he's the the drill sergeant from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and the lieutenant from Basic Instinct. Um, just in case anyone is wondering who him out of that thing is. Um, apparently, uh, Sam Raimi um, cameos as one of the ghosts in the seance scene. I did not spot didn't him, and I, I I read about that. Anyways, yeah, I read so. about it, and I didn't spot him. The Oldsmobile, um, which uh, makes an appearance yeah. in every single Sam Raimi film, is uh, is Mrs. Garnish's car, and that's basically it. Should we go to trivia corner? Sure. Trivia, trivia corner. Okay, Alison Lohman did most of her own stunts. Joss Stone is a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go on. All cornflakes are made in the USA. Well, another one of those tomorrow. Um, <laughs> Every flake of corn. Alamia is actually a bogey woman from Greek mythology who stalks the countryside looking for children to devour. It was a story yeah. used to get young children into their beds at bedtime. 
In order to avoid an R rating, a few of the scenes involving a lot of blood had to be trimmed down. The extended versions of these scenes are in the unrated cut. So we're talking like a, a grand total of 11 seconds here. That's uh, okay. Didn't realize that 11 mostly, seconds makes the difference, really. It's mostly the cat, I think. Oh. Funnily enough, blood is not the uh, the biggest problem in this movie. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> Before deciding to direct the film himself, Sam Raimi asked Edgar Wright to direct. Oh, that would have, that would have been so different. However... It would have been very different. However, Wright was busy with production on Hot Fuzz and he felt that he wasn't the right director for this movie. Um, yeah. I agree. Yep. Sam Raimi's friend Bruce Campbell, who appeared in some fashion in every other film Raimi directed, turned down a role because he was busy, busy with his TV show Burn Notice. Ganesh family are Hungarian gypsies. Sam and Ivan Raimi have Hungarian Jews among their ancestors. Oh. Yes. The drag me to hell idea actually comes from a couple of different folklore stories. The Furies or Urins... Really? Were figures of vengeance in Greek mythology. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. When summoned by people who were wronged or victimized in some way, they would wreak vengeance on the wrongdoer for a period of time until they killed themselves, and then torture and terrorize them in the underworld. The drag me to hell idea also comes from Krampus, Mm -hmm. a pre-Christian figure in Germany and Austria who accompanies St. Nicholas on the eve of December 6th, St. Nicholas Day. While St. Nicholas would reward good children with gifts, Krampus would drag wicked children to the underworld. Both of these helped inform the vengeful Lamia character in the movie. Why did parents used to terrorize their children with stories with stories of, like yeah. that? Fuck me. Yeah. But yeah, I do like that. Yeah. The soft spot for Greek mythology. Alison Lohman stated to the Daily Record that shooting the film was such hard work that she had to drink shots of tequila every night just to get some sleep. Well, I can oh, understand dang. that. Yeah. <laughs> the maggots that Mrs. Garnish throws up on Christine is pasta <laughs> it is pasta oh really yeah i was thinking yes i was like that looks more like pasta than it does maggots <laughs> 30 million it's not enough um the film is the only pg-13 rated horror film directed by sam raimi and i've written in brackets not anymore because you could argue that dr strange is also somewhat of a horror film yeah Clay, played by Justin Long, can be seen using various products by Apple Inc. In real life, Long is a spokesperson for Apple's I'm a Mac advertising campaign. (laughs) Running gag. When something horrifying happens, objects or fluids end up going into Christine's mouth in a dramatic fashion. (laughs) No shit. (laughs) To prepare for her role as Mrs. Garnish, Lorna Raver worked with a Hungarian dialect coach. Raver asked the coach to translate portions of the script into Hungarian. This came in handy because director Sam Raimi asked Raver to use some of the Hungarian words in the scenes where Mrs. Garnish torments and attacks Christine. She says saya a lot, which um, which means bitch or mm. whore or something okay. like that. Um, so like the, there are a few things like she, I, I remember watching the, uh, the behind the scenes and there's a scene, there's a bit in the parking garage where Sam Raimi sits down with Lorna Raver and he says, um, what, uh, what Hungarian swear words did you learn or something like that? And she's like, well, maybe I could use uh, Saya. It means bitch. And he's like, okay, use that, do that. Do that, do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love watching him on set because he gets he really excited. excited. He's like yeah. a little kid. Um, <laughs> oh, that's going to freak her out. Yeah, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah do that. <laughs> Critics complained that this was a misogynistic backlash type warning to women not to be too ambitious. This is interesting. Okay. That women have to stay in the helper servant type mode. And if they try to get competitive or flex a little corporate strength in the office, the way men do all the time, they will get sent to hell. Honestly, if the protagonist would have been male, then the complaint would have been, why aren't there more female protagonists in movies? So either way, you can't fucking win. It's like, 
No, that's not the point. It, yeah. We're not, no one, no one is saying that. <laughs> and it's just so annoying to me because, because no one is fucking saying that. It's like, I could make anything up from this though. Well, don't be a good boyfriend because your girlfriend's probably a bitch and is going to get dragged to hell. Like, obviously that's not true, but like, it's just, it's so fucking stupid. Why do people, oh, I'm calm. <laughs> You're right there. Basically, the point is that uh, that somebody somewhere is going to be offended by something sometime. Yeah, but it's 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 more than that. It's that it feels like people are always looking for these things. Look, there is no shortage of these of these problems that we can look at, but to keep on assigning them to every single thing that we see is is infuriating to me. Yeah. Because because that's not what the movie's trying to say, and at no point was it trying to say that. In fact, it's saying sometimes when you're faced with an impossible decision, right, you're still going to have to do that thing because your your own survival will usually trump that thing that everybody says is the right thing to do, right? That your conscience or that the societal conscience is saying to you to do, right? And and it's asking a very, very interesting question. And the fact that, you know, okay, this movie came out in 2009, right? That critics were saying that, right? And, and, and that that was their fucking problem. And that movies that come out now have the same issues. And right. it's like, you're always going to have something to fuck. Can't a movie just be a fucking movie? I enjoyed the movie. This character wasn't the best person. They were completely flawed, but you know what? They weren't flat. They weren't two dimensional. And it was interesting to watch. By the way, why is there such a problem with the fact, right? That I enjoyed a movie because it was a movie and it didn't have to be fucking Schindler's List. And that was Trivia Trivia Corner. (laughs) Feel free to cut all of that out. I just needed to uh, release some tension, I think. Right then. Apparently that's a trigger for me. (laughs) Should we go down into the basement or the attic or wherever it is we're going? It is now. Right, okay. So last week or last time, I, I said a wrong word. And we didn't notice it when they said it. <laughs> Neither of us did. But um, our mother picked up on it. And I went over to visit them. And she said, what's a calvocade? Soda. So she's like, what's a calvocade? And I'm like, I don't know. What is a calvocade? What you is mean it? Cavalcade? Cavalcade. <laughs> and she's like, yes, but that's not what you said. And I'm like, did I say calvocade? She's like, yeah, go back and listen to it. And I did. And I was listening to it in the car. And I was like, oh, fuck me. So today we're going to try and get it right, okay? All right. Okay. Come with me and step into the spine-tingling confusion known as size rambling cavalcade of nonsense. <sighs> okay. Bruce Jones was the VFX supervisor for this movie. Now, there's this website called brucejonesproductions.com, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of information there about things that Bruce Jones has worked on in this movie. So a lot of what I've written here is actually from there. And I've just sort of passed through the information so that, you know, I don't just have to read off several pages. Um, so there were, there were literally hundreds of visual effects in the film and uh, different effects houses were used. Um, I'm not going to go through um, the, the whole list, but um, in the film, uh, you know, the supernatural, the unseen Jones considered it another character. So um, sequences were even developed in post-production uh, that would suggest the presence of the supernatural. 
um, and they kept on adding it, and they they did it with sound effects as well. And it was a it was a very ongoing, and he he described it as an organic process. That like it wasn't that all of the supernatural moments were sort of plotted. And they were discovering them and adding them in post, like in throughout all these different things. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, seeing where they could sort of plonk those moments. That's pretty, pretty fun. Um, just a small note, just from my own opinion on the VFX in the movie. I think that they're actually really well done. We were, we were watching, we were, you, you posted a picture of the goat um, yeah. on Facebook. And I said to you, is that what it looks like? I don't remember it looking like that. That is ridiculous. It's like Sonic the Hedgehog creepy, right? Yeah. Um, and you said in context... It's, is, it's but is it's it meant a, to be like is that. it a is it CGI or is it a puppet? Because there are certain shots that are a puppet. I think it's CGI because there are moments where its mouth is moving and its eyes are moving in a way that suggests that it's not a puppet. So I have here in trivia corner that I missed a puppet goat was used in the dialogue scenes for the séance sequence. Really? Then it's a really, really. So there may have been like a couple of like CGI there shots. There could have been tweaks there. There could have been tweaks. Yeah, but like but there's, there's something there that looks like digital to me. Right. So that the, the if the, I'm wrong, goat, I'm really impressed. The goat really reminds me of that that uh, that deer head in uh, yeah. Evil Dead Two. So yeah. it's it's very hard to get an animat or or a, or a puppet or an animatronic thing to articulate in a way. Um, that doesn't look animatronic, and so it's just interesting to me that um, that you say that because I was convinced that that particular shot was CG because of because of the eyes and the and the way right. that the nose moves. It, so it I, may it, have been really, enhanced. It may not have been. Now that you've said that, anyway. So Jones had a small effects team uh, on hand that he could uh, you know on set that he could sort of do quick composites to sort of make sure things look good. And I I always think that's very very important that. You know, even in a in a small budget movie, that the VFX supervisor should be on set during VFX. It's not, of course. Like we've worked on things, you know. Yeah, here, but we've where, worked where... on things but that are tiny, and in in Hollywood, no, nine times out of ten, I, I do see the visual effects supervisor on the set. I see a lot of indie stuff where where VFX uh, artists are are doing things on the fly on like a, a strong gaming laptop or something, like you know, just doing yeah. it there um, to sort of see if everything's working. Yeah. Um, and. Um, you know, it, it, there's a quote here from from Jones where he said, "It's it's great to have that feedback for take two. You see it, and you say, for example, maybe we should be panning into this shot instead of it being static, or maybe we need a different dolly move here." And it really allows them to like tweak it. And you know, obviously now that sort of, you know, he he is saying here this is going to be the way of the future, and it and it is. Right. Uh, but I think it's really cool that they were doing that then. Um, Near the end of the film, Christine is in a train station with her boyfriend, and she realizes that the curse is still on her. So she backs back onto the away from from Justin Long's character, and she falls onto the tracks. Um, and uh, the train bears down on her, and and arms burst through the railroad and grab her, and pulling her down into hell. Right. Um, so there's a lot of complicated things here. There's like a strobe effect that's happening. Um, on the train tracks, uh, there are like 20 shots in this sequence. It's really cool um, that you see it through through the, the train tracks, which is yeah. really hard to do. Think about the masking they had to yeah, do, the yeah, compositing. Yeah. Um, the motion blur. The like, motion yeah. blur, getting it right. Yeah. Um, so there's, in addition to the train, the tracks, Loman, uh, the elements that needed to be put in there were flame, sparks, smoke, heat ripples, all of these things. 2009, like it's not like yeah. the easiest of things like to, to pull off. Uh, even now it's hard to pull it off and make it look good. Um, the filmmakers built a box on the stage for the shots on the tracks and um, the actors below the set 
uh, wore green suits that covered them except for their arms so that they could you right. know get that that working with the with the, cre- uh, the I, creepy I love arms. seeing like behind the scenes shots of that kind of thing with all the like stockinged arms like yeah, yeah. exactly um and jones said that um the script wanted it called for light beams to burst from the holes um yeah. shooting up into the scene um and he said that that kind of underlighting in actual plate photography is very difficult to do using visual effects techniques. So they needed to build that into practically on the set. Um, and uh, they aimed some high intensity lamps um, down below. Um, and uh, the lighting team were underneath holding pieces of mylar, which we've talked about, like, you know, this uh, silvery um, yep. reflective material. So that light... Uh, that was bounced off this this stretchy silver material was sort of creating uh, an undulating, cascading sort of firelight on her. And it was like a, a very simple solution that didn't require time or money and it worked really well. And if you look at that final shot, it's it's really good. Right. Like it's all, so, so this is a great case of... And I'm really glad that this website exists. And I think there should be more like that on, 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 on movies, like, you know, just where they describe the processes because it makes my job <laughs> easier when I'm like researching this stuff. But also um, the information is there for other people who are making movies and don't have a Hollywood budget that they can kind of, you know, think creatively around. That's yeah, also why I like Film Riot so much. You know, that YouTube channel is great because it's... Um, it's so uh, it's so innovative in the way that they they make their visual effects and and you know the the use of practical and only doing things you know visually visual effectively that they can't do um, you know otherwise. Um, but that that's it. That's the end of my babbling, rambling nonsense uh, uh, cavalcade. Um, uh, but I, you know, there's a lot of moments in the movies where in the movie where CG is in, employed, and as we've said about the eyeballs, it doesn't work so well. I think the decision to spend more time on the VFX on that final shot, as it is the lingering thing that you're left with, it's really important. Uh, so I'm okay with some of the bum VFX shots earlier in the movie. Um, and also now that you're saying that the goat is is probably practical, like that kind of that just makes me happy. Somehow. Yeah, it really does. Because anything that can be done practically, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. That's a. You know. Very good. So I really enjoyed this. I um, did too. I think yeah. there was a great discussion there. Yeah. I maybe lost it a little bit. I don't know if Johnny's going to leave that in, but there was a little bit of a rant there that, that I, I sort of lost myself. Oh, there oh it's in. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh, bring Brings us, brings us, to, the, us to, the next. to the next. Mm. Uh, 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 mm. um, You're gold blooming. I'm, I'm gold blooming. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, so we, uh, if, if you hadn't, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I hope we're not going to say next week when we go to see Jurassic, Jurassic World, World Dominican. Dominican. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really embarrassed now. I'm really <laughs> ashamed of think myself. I was going to say that as well or what? No, I was like, I was going to say Dominion and then I didn't. We are promising you two episodes uh, on Jurassic Park. Um, we will talk in general about the Jurassic Park franchise. And we will do a uh, review of Jurassic World Dominican. D- Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, <laughs> was that an actual accident or you did that on purpose? No, I did that on purpose. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> shameless. Shameless. Absolutely shameless. Um, so that is uh, next week and the week after. So uh, do look out for that. We and wanted to also say thank you very much to everybody who helped us reach 1,000 listens. Uh, here's to the next 1,000. Yeah. And please... 
like, review, subscribe, Facebook, let us know what you think, let us know what you want, let us know who you are, let us know what you're wearing. The, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and also... Uh, that's like, of those things, that's probably the one that we're going to get from people. <laughs> Shall we move on the rest of our day? Oh, all right then. Thanks for talking to me. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next All week. right. And I don't know why it's Josh Whittaker again. Oh, hello, oh, Josh Whittaker. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. What's our seat number? <laughs>